to celebrate and sing of God's glory, knowing that in heaven we'll be part of the angelic choir that sings for eternity. As we gather here today, we shall look at very important scripture found in Revelation that describes the Lordship of Jesus here on this Christ the King Sunday. In fact, our stained glass here at the back has the letters of the alphabet, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, which we'll look at and try to better understand this message as Christ shares with us from Revelation, found in Revelation, the first chapter, the fourth verse. And it reads this, John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Let us pray. Lord, open up our hearts that we may see into the seals, the veil that surrounds this book of the Bible and Revelation, that we may understand the great promise it holds and the assurance it gives of the kingdom being fulfilled. Lord, let us know that we are part of this story. It is a story that is ageless. It is a story of redemption and salvation. Lord, let us claim this story in all that we do. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen. It it just amazes me when I look back and think of all the places we've been in ministry. Leona and I, we traveled from the sand hills to the mountains to the Outer Banks and now here in the heartland of the great state of North Carolina. And then with my father being the son of a pastor and my mother and traveling all around the coastal area, especially Moorhead City and over in Oriental and places like that, and seeing the lives of people and the stories that are told. Every church has the same characters almost. John, there's another John out there that's like you in a way. And that's a good thing. And these stories that are told are so important because they are part of a greater story. But every story has certain elements, and these are common elements. Or what are the common elements? Just think about it. You see the same sun, but don't look at it directly. Never look at directly at the sun. That's bad. But you see the same sun that your great, great, great grandmother saw. You see the same moon that Christ looked upon when he walked the earth. Certain common elements take place. And every story has these elements. In fact, they make the photograph, the picture the memory so much more real. In fact, one of the things I love to do when I look at art is I don't look at the main characters as much as I look at what surrounds the characters. You've seen the great picture, just the Last Supper. 
If you look closely, you'll see, of course, Jesus and the disciples, and you can look at the face, and you can look at the character, especially Jesus in the middle of the picture, where, of course, the great artist, as Leonardo da Vinci painted it, it's the perfect picture, and that Christ is in the middle with his arms stretched out. Yet if you look around, you see on the table different elements that are common elements to life, elements in the background of the sky and the fields that looks like Italy in the background, and you see these elements. See, our story shares many elements with other people's story. And that's what connects us together. And God made it so we're part of the same setting. We're part of the same environment. Now you may wonder why am I talking about, you know, just background. Because that's not the important thing. Well, it gives us context into understanding the story that we are living. The background that we have. Heard on the scanner the other day, terrible thing. It woke me up at night. I keep it on and I listen and... I tried not to listen, but I had to, and it woke me up, and it said there were three children that were outside the home in the street, three little children, six years old, nine years old, 12 years old, and they were out there crying in the street, and the police had to go because the, well, the mother and the boyfriend were fighting each other, and the children left the house and sat in the street. And I was listening to this story unfold, thinking about these little children having to live in such a circumstance as that, that on this week that they should be thankful. Instead, they're huddled together out in the middle of the street because of the story unfolding in the house of a battle and a war. There's so many stories around us. Some are sad, some are broken, but many are happy and they're joyous. And these stories that have all these common elements are all part of a greater story. In fact, that makes it relatable. That makes us be able to relate to others that have gone before us, that we share in a story that they share in. Now, I'll show you that relationship even more by the second element of a story, which is the human element. And this helps us to totally relate to the story. Because each one of us, we're humans. We have human flaws. We have human strengths. We are all part of what God has made in the human experience. We are given a life. And we live that life. And in that life, we face good and we face bad. We face right and we face wrong. We face lightness and we face darkness. And in the human element, we find what connects us, but also disconnects us. Because people, for some reason, love to get in fights. They do. They, they love to get in fights. I've never seen the beat of it. You go to overtime. You lose to a very good team, and, and credit goes to NC State. And then you try to beat them in fisticuffs after the game is over. I'm ashamed of Carolina. Ashamed of them. Hannah's here. Hannah goes to Carolina. She'll be going back this afternoon. You tell them I said that. <laughs> Get in that square out there where people talk and say, my daddy is ashamed of this school and ashamed of them boys for fighting on the field. Why couldn't they bring that fight to the game? Maybe they would have won What kind of story is it that we can't even have a good thing, a competition, a friendly competition, without breaking into, you know, trouble? I saw a man yesterday 
and he was eating potato salad out of, uh, you know, just Tupperware. And I said to him, I said, is that Thanksgiving leftovers? Because aren't they good, Thanksgiving leftovers? They're good. They're just so good. Some of you are even hungry now. You may have turkey waiting at home on a stick because you don't know what to do with it after a couple of days. But the guy was eating out of a Tupperware. And I said, is that Thanksgiving? He said, oh, no, I didn't eat on Thanksgiving. I said, you did not eat on Thanksgiving? He said, no, I did not. And I said, well, how come? He said, I went to my sister's house, and we got into a fight, and I left before eating. And I said, what? I said, you got into a fight? He said, yeah. And I said, you got into a fight and left before you were able to eat? He said, yeah. And he said, I didn't have anything to eat Thanksgiving. I said, you need to find some food, man. I said, you must be hungry. I wanted to tell him right to his face, what is wrong with you? You wait till after you eat to fight. You don't eat. You don't fight and then not eat. You eat and then fight. See, the human element is a mess. No matter how we make the story, it seems like we try to mess the story up. Case in point. I'll touch on sports again. You notice I do that a little bit. Golden State Warriors, epic basketball team, unbelievable talent. They get into a fight between two of the players and they can't win a game now. Everybody's beating up on them and they're smiling while they're beating them because they're getting revenge on them. And why are they losing? Because their talent has suddenly disappeared? No, because of the human story. They mess it up. They mess it up because it's like, it's like with Michael Jordan, the Bulls kept trying to mess up the perfect team and, and, and they would have had more championships because people have a tendency in the human story to lose sight. And Jesus is helping us to understand that the story is not bound by the human story. It's bound by the divine story. And now we're going to look at that. He's writing to the seven churches in the province of Asia. You have to understand these churches are symbolic of the coming church of Jesus Christ. This is a prophecy in Revelation. It's given to John on an island. He's been captured and he's seen visions. God is giving him images and he's writing them down. And these images he, he is writing down are of all time of the kingdom of God and the churches. And he describes it and he comes with grace and peace from the one who is and the one who was and the one who is to come. You may wonder where that comes from. Where have you seen that before? Every time we have communion, we have this element Hey, you're so pretty. Isn't that how the story happens? We just tell him the story and suddenly something happens. We see it and we pause and we look. We try to understand. And we understand this great mystery of faith. Him who is and who was and who is to come. And we start to see that God's story is not bound by a single incident or a single event other than the cross of Jesus the Christ. Because at the cross of Jesus the Christ, all and everything revolves around it. Everything pivots around it. You have to realize, I, I was called to preach in 1985. I started preaching at churches. I found myself up at the cross at Genalusca. 
And I said, Lord, I said, you got to help me. He said, you got to help me to get deeper in the faith. I've studied the Bible. I've said my prayers. I've done all the things that I'm supposed to do, yet there is something missing. And the Lord laid it upon my heart to reclaim the cross in my life. And I made the cross the central part of my theology, of my belief, of my everyday living. My life revolves around the cross. And at the cross, Jesus gave evidence of this divine story. From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And this divine story is central to Jesus. And my prayer is that everybody here have a personal relationship with Jesus, a personal Savior, that you come to know Him, that you can call upon Him when, time, uh, when times get hard and life gets rough. And I can tell you right now, we cannot escape it. There are moments that we need Jesus more than ever, and it seems we need Him more each and every day as we live into this world. So many things are happening. So many things are taking place. And in the scripture, it's describing the divine story by being one of awareness where John says, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even the ones who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him, so shall it be. Amen. The divine story is of a great event that is taking place. Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, he'll take us into his arms and take us to the kingdom that he told Pilate he is the king of. When Pilate asked him, are you a king? And he said, I am a king, but not of this world. I am a king of another. And it is a greater place I am a king of. And we come on this Christ the King Sunday. So what does it mean, this story? Same old story, same old gospel. In fact, I worked on this with Hannah, the sermon today. What I like to do is I like to find elements of the sermon and I work on them. It, sometimes it takes weeks and sometimes it takes days. And every now and then you've heard one that took a few hours. <laughs> Those are usually the better ones. But this one I've been chewing on a while because I'm at that age now that I'm starting to think in terms of the story taking place. Because we have some big events gonna happen in our family soon. Gonna happen here at the church. Gonna happen to you with me being your pastor. We have big events that are taking place. Our baptisms and other things of young people joining the church and confirmation. We have big events taking place of Christmas and celebration of cantatas and music and song. We, we have big events. And, and this story that we're part of is a divine story. It's a divine story. But understand, this is not a costume I wear. I'm not up here just uh, reciting something because I'm a player on a stage. I'm here in this garb and this attire, not because my father stood 
and robes and preached and his father stood before him. I'm here because I'm called to be the storyteller. And you can ask Leona. We Smiths love to tell stories. Love to tell stories. You know why I want grandchildren? to tell them stories. I can't wait till I can tell them stories. I want to gather them around by the grace of God if I'm afforded such a thing. I want to gather around to my knee and I want to tell them stories. I want to tell them about my ancestors and my family members and all the fun. And I want to tell them all the things because I tell you the stories get better over time. It's amazing. How, how, do, how do stories, they get enhanced and get added to, and God opens up the story, but this divine story hasn't been added to, not one single letter, because it is the story spoken, it's the story told with the Alpha and the Omega. In other words, the language of God is the ultimate story that we are a part of, and Jesus says that, and he says, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega. In other words, I am the beginning and I am the end, says the Lord God, and who is and who was and who is to come. So our story, though it be sad, and our story, though it be a challenge, is part of a greater story of God's redemption. What is your story? Y'all got some great stories. I know you do. You got, you got great stories. You got stories of going to NC State. You got stories of teaching in the public schools. You got stories of um, driving a race car. Where's Mr. Birdie? We're talking about driving a race car this morning. People in too big a hurry right now, by the way. Just, just slow down. Go to town and they just rushing by. It's just too big a hurry. Their story is too hurried. I mean, why are you hurrying to get there? It's still going to be there. It's not going anywhere. See, this story that we're part of is God's time, not ours. And God doesn't rush it because God knows the right time for things to take place. We want it to take place. We try to make it to take place, but God will have it take place when it's supposed to take place. The older I get, the more I see God's hand in our story. God knows where we need to be, and God tries to make it where we'll find the way. He tries to find the path that we will take, and no matter where we veer, He tries to get us back on course to go where He will have us go. But I guarantee you one thing, if it's God's will, you'll be there. God wants you to be a part of this divine story. He wants you to know that his story is interweaving into ours and together he's able to bring salvation in the midst of that because every story has a conflict and every great story has a resolution. We live in a world as such that no matter what we try to do, it seems like it's never enough. We never say I love you enough to a person. We never hug them enough. We never give them enough. And before we know it, they're gone. We try to 
hold in some way that maybe there's more we could have done and we maybe even beat ourselves up that we failed them in some way and we have guilt and we have shame because somehow we didn't let the story happen. I can tell you right now that I feel that same way. There are people that I have loved that I wish I had one more day to just be with them, to tell them how much I love them. But my story will never have that because my story is being lived right now here. But through God's story, not only can I let them know I love them, I can show them I love them by loving Jesus. God can't be fooled. There's a lot of false narratives out there. There's a lot of false stories. People think they got a story here and a story there. Going back to that game, you go into overtime. I never understood overtime. And then you're going to have a winner out of the overtime. And then the team wins. In many ways, you could say it was a tie, but it's not. There's a team that wins and a team that loses. And yet in this false narrative, this story, for some reason, they felt like if they rushed the field and started punching people and they started punching back, that somehow they could redeem the story instead of bracing the story. Because sometimes it's the stories you lose that are the best. Because in them, you find out the character. They put that on my locker in high school, the cheerleaders. Who can ask more of a man than giving all within his span? Giving all, it seems to me, is not so far from victory. And believe me, we had a lot of not so far from victory because we got beat a lot. And it gave, me, it gave me great consolation to know that if I left it on the field, then that would be the story. Even if I lost, I could leave. And I remember the day when we played our last game. I remember walking off the field knowing I would never play again. Now, of course, uh, it didn't mean a lot because I was not very good at what I did, but it was one of those moments that I knew once I took off that, that uniform, I would never put on one again. And I was thinking about how my life is shaped by those moments that I step away from one thing and I enter into the next. And somehow I hope that the story from one moment to the next can be woven together. But no matter how much I try to press on photographs and in memory, it's never quite enough because no matter what I do, I can't make yesterday happen today. So how do I handle this? Well, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. In other words, God takes the pieces and he makes the whole. But the pieces can never be fitted back on their own accord. They can never be joined by their own fruition, their own power. They can only be put back together by the love of Jesus Christ who mends the brokenness of our lives and makes us whole. Many people come up and down Spring Hill Church Road. They come by our cemetery. And they think it's a place of sorrow. And there are stories of sadness. But I can tell you right now, we are blessed because of the cloud of witnesses that surrounds us at this church. When I helped write a book for Leonard Sweet once called 11 Genetic Gateways to a Spiritual Awakening, I did research up in Delaware for the first church in Methodism there at Barrett's Chapel. 
And as you drive up to this little church, it's surrounded by cemetery where people are buried over 250 years. And as I did research, every day I would go up to the church and look through their records. I would have to drive through this cemetery to get to that church. And every day I would drive through, I would feel the stories of people surrounding me and thinking how I'm a part of that. But it's not a story of sadness and it's not a story of loss. It is a tale of joy and a tale of hope. It's a tale of salvation. For Jesus is making it clear as we go through this holiday season together, the story of Christ is the story of salvation. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may realize that we are part of a great and glorious story of salvation through Jesus the Christ. This church is a testimony to that. Each and every Sunday we gather together, each event we have, let it be where we continue to tell the story. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen.